0: It's something that I learned early on with improv, which is dare to fail and fail spectacularly and fail with a smile on your face and realize this is just a very small part of your life. This one thing that we place such an importance on. Hello and welcome to the Creative Weirdo podcast, because today's weirdo
1: is tomorrow's genius. In this episode, I'm talking with improv teacher and performer, Jay Succo. Jay's been teaching and performing improv and sketch comedy throughout the world for over 25 years now. And he's trained with the likes of Stephen Colbert, Steve Carell and Jon Favreau. I started taking improv classes about three years ago and it really made a huge impression on me. I think there's so many lessons to take from the improv world around creativity and just having more fun in general. I'm really excited to have Jay on the podcast because I've learned so much from him and he's just a beacon of positive energy. It's hard not to have fun when he's around. And regardless of whether you're interested in improv or not, I think you're going to take a ton of value from this episode. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with Jay Suko. Jay, could you just introduce yourself and, and tell us uh, what it is you do?
0: Hi, my name is Jay Succo. I'm based in Los Angeles, California in the the United States. Uh, I'm a dad, I've got two kids who are awesome. Uh, And my profession is I'm a professional improviser. And so I teach and perform improv for businesses, regular folk, actors, uh, and I've been doing that for the past almost 30 years now. Awesome. So I think a
1: lot of people maybe have an idea of improv from watching, it's like, whose line is it anyway, it's like a a show, I used to love that show, but um, there's more to it than, than just that kind of short form comedy, right, like, could you describe a little bit about what, what actually is improv, or what's, what's the kind of improv that you do?
0: Yeah, uh, it's a great question, people immediately, and thank goodness for whose lines it anyway, like, before that point, nobody had a real reference to what improv was, uh, but, if you look at who we are as humans, we improvise every day. So I don't really teach things much different than just acknowledging those moments of uncertainty or moments of um, uh, unfamiliarity and dealing in those moments. I teach a lot of, you know, there are people who come by who want to just have fun. And I think that's very important because the background of improv is actually helping adults play. That was the origination of it. Never Boyd and Viola Spolin where um, sociologist Neva Boyd was the teacher of Viola Spolin and they looked at such an importance and we lack that as adults being able to just play. We, we put it way down uh, on our list of things to do and it, we don't look at it as have any bearing in whatsoever what we are or who we are and play is the most important part. So really part, uh, you know, in a broad sense, I teach adults how to play or, or relearn how to play. Amazing. And what Like what do you think is one of the biggest blocks that people have to doing
1: that? Like when you oh. first people coming off the street,
0: <laughs> it's the, the first thing is people say, um, "I'm not funny." Like that's the first thing, and it's like humor, you know, absolutely. People, I think, I think everyone is naturally funny, and so humor is like a byproduct of this. But the the that's the biggest hurdles people get nervous, thinking they have to be funny because they're not. Even though in my world it's pretty common. It's still a very niche um, activity a very, for a lot of people. So people think they aren't they aren't funny. And I ask people, and this is something I got from a teacher, my Martin DeMott, I, I ask people in class the first day, I'm like, okay, raise your hand if you can sing, you know, and like two out of 15 people might raise their hands sheepishly. And I'm like, raise your hand if you can dance and people look around. And uh, I say, you know, when you're five years old, everybody's hand goes up. Everyone's like, I can sing, I can dance, but for some point, you know, as you become an adult, you worry so much about being embarrassed and you worry about being wrong because we don't embrace failure. We look at everything like there's a right answer and we place a lot of emphasis on being right. And so if you're wrong for a lot of people, that's a huge embarrassment that they cannot overcome. So I think for a lot of people, it teaches them that failing not only is okay, it inspires a lot moving forward. Like if you look at something like penicillin or post-it notes, those were both failures, but they started out as one thing and then it turned into something that, I mean, really it changed humanity. So I think getting people okay with who they are, getting people okay to fail, getting them to say, hey, let's not take things as serious. Like we take things seriously, but not ourselves. Let's not take ourselves as seriously. And let's look around and for the next two hours, three hours, an hour, whatever it is, we're going to have a lot of fun. And then at the end of the day, uh, the skills you're doing in the class, the games you're playing, the fun you're having, it starts trickling into your personal life. And then you go, oh, I, I'm, it actually makes me a better listener. It actually helps me stay present. It actually helps me look at the people in a positive way and assume positive intent. It helps me realize I'm not alone. I'm part of something bigger than myself. So it hits on a lot of things also that philosophy and different types of philosophy for years have hit on, which is be, find a group, find something bigger than yourself, find a connection and improv allows that It allows you to connect to other people. And in this time we're at now, my friend, everyone's looking for a connection. Hundred percent, hundred percent.
1: Yeah, that was like my big revelation. Like when I when I first kind of discovered improv, like I really only I I got into it because I it was basically I, I was doing a public uh, talk, right? And I hadn't yeah. done I had it was pretty much the first time I'd really done a, a talk, and I was terrified because I'd always been terrified of public speaking. So, but I'd signed up and I'd committed to it. So I was like, okay right? Now I actually have to, I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to figure out how to make this happen. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be a total disaster. So, so the first thing I did was I I signed up for Toastmasters, which is, it's like a sort of club for public speaking. So it's a place you can go and sort of practice. And then when I was there, I think it was the first meeting I went to, I I was talking to someone and he mentioned this thing about improv. And he mentioned there's this school in Copenhagen, which is where I live, where they have this, uh, they do classes on improv. And it never even occurred to me in my life, like, and it, and, and the first, my first impression was like, that's oh, not for me. You know, like, I'm not, that's for extroverts. That's for people who want to yes. kind of show off and all. So it's was like, ah, but then, I, <laughs> but then I talking to him and he said, it was fun. And then, and I also thought, well, it could help me, right. This, 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 it sounds a bit scary, but right now I'm like, what I'm really focusing on is trying to develop this sort of get over this fear of public speaking. So what the hell I'll go and try it and it was like when i actually got there and and did this intro class and it was just like it was just a total mind-blowing experience because it wasn't i mean there is that aspect of like you know sort of being uh there's a sort of i mean i guess there's a sort of extrovert aspect to it in the sense that you're you're sort of acting in a way and you're sort of putting on a different persona
0: in but front of people. In, in front, front of, of people, people,
1: yeah, exactly. But but the idea about showing off is completely the opposite, really. Because yeah. that, that's kind of what well, the more I got into it, the more I realized it's actually about being present and and putting your attention on your partners, right? Instead of it's if you start making it about you, then it suddenly starts to fall apart, right? It's not the improv, the, the sort of uh, spontaneous part of it just sort of falls apart and it doesn't really work. But the more you can be present and then just like kind of give your attention to what's happening in this scene that you're building suddenly it's like this magical thing happens and you don't you forget about everything else and it's just it's like play like you say it's just like playtime for adults and it was like I haven't done this since I was you know five years old and I was playing like pretending I had a laser cannon you know it was so so cool and then and then and then the other thing you said about the philosophy as well was like I, I'd love to hear you talk a bit more about that because, because I remember clearly about this. The, I can't remember how many rules there are, but maybe there's a different amount of rules, but, but I remember like the first one is always say yes and say yes. And, and that was like, that thought that for me was just like, just like, Oh my God, this applies to everything. You know, this isn't just <laughs> improv. This is life. Like I can use this. Do you want to talk a little bit about yes. And,
0: yeah, absolutely. And like I I I also think Toastmasters is really great too. Like that absolutely. that helps you with things like counting the times you say um in a speech like they're and they time you to understand what two minutes is in a speech or things like that so I think that's very valuable as well I think improv what it gives you is it's building on that fear of public speaking that Toastmasters does as well it's the it's an old Jerry Seinfeld bit which is people would rather be in the casket than give the eulogy right so it's it's the number one fear after death and so people are so much more afraid of it and what this does is, is it helps you take a breath and say, everything's going to be okay. Like you're going to survive these moments. When you give a speech, when you have to give a presentation, here's, here's a secret. Nobody wants it to go bad. Everybody's on your side. Everyone's like, I hope this goes well. Nobody's like, I hope this goes terribly. So they're already on your side. And we forget that a lot. We get so nervous. It's like, no, no, they're there. They're on your side. And when you talk about yes. And, and you say the word rules, it's, it's, it's more like tools. So it's more like here are tools to use in these situations when you're in an unknown situation or a familiar one. You can use these tools. And, and uh, a friend of mine said, you know, everything good that's come to your life has been when you said yes. And if you say no too much, then things leave, and I think that's very accurate. There's a there's a great book called A Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes, and she uh, created uh, Grey's Anatomy and Scandal and all these shows on um, the American TV network ABC, and she's like now on Netflix and just this huge TV creator and tells stories. She's great, and she talks about spending a year saying yes because. One year, her sister at Thanksgiving asked her to do something she said no. And her sister kind of mumbles, "Uh, you always say no. And she's like, what's that? She goes, you always say no, you never say yes. And she goes, from this point on for a year, I'm gonna say yes. And she lost weight. She had uh, more happen in her career. She sat next to the Obamas at the Kennedy uh, Center during um, a, a show. And it was like all of these things that wouldn't have happened because we say no to protect ourselves. It's a defense mechanism. The first thing we do a lot of times is no. And sometimes we say no, because we think, hey, if I say no, my opinion's going to mean more than the person I'm speaking with. So the no is a defense, it's a reaction a lot of times. And we don't take that moment to just go, let me take a breath. Before I say no, how can this work? How can this work? What are they trying to say instead of right away a no? Because we've all been in those meetings where we're in front of the no committee, I like to call them. It's just the committee of no. And you're like, you just give up. You go, they aren't even hearing me. And the yes and is like kind of the bedrock of improv. And it's the, yes, I hear you. Like that's the first part is I hear you. And the number one thing people want is I just want to be heard. And sometimes it's like, I don't even want you to tell me what to do. I just want to be heard. And so think if your life was ruled by the philosophy of hey, great idea. Let me build on it. So you don't even have to come here with the full idea. Why don't you come here with 40% of the idea and the rest of us here will add to that and build that together. And then we can come up with some, some pretty great stuff. Now, of course, there are times to say no. If somebody's like, hey, let's spend you know a quarter million dollars, our entire budget for this, um, for this month, let's spend it on X, Y, Z. It's like, well, we, we can't because we have a limited budget. But how can i say yes to that it's like yeah let me hear what you have to say and then let me think about it before i say no right away i i had a client who said uh we want to make a big splash and this was inside of a theater they were doing a sales meeting they said uh we want to have uh fireworks and it was like well you legally couldn't have them in that building like it just you legally it was it was against the law so it was like, well, let's hear what you're saying. What you're saying is you want to have a big splash. You want it to be memorable. Okay. And then we huddled and we said, what, if, what are some ways we can, instead of this, which is illegal. And it's like, oh, let's have music. So then we came back with a live marching band and that, that satisfied the same thing they were looking for. So it's a matter of, let me hear what you're saying. Now, how can we make it work? If you say no enough to your significant other, guess what happens? You bye bye. (laughs) That's it. Game over. Yeah, it's game over. And so you have, you know, it's having that philosophy and that mindset of how can this work, right? Instead of right away, I'm going to say no. How can this work? And even if, even if you do say, here's not here's why that's not possible at least people feel like they've been heard and then they can accept it more. So I think saying yes is also opening yourself up to these possibilities. I, I had a teacher who said, you know people who live in the no live in the safety, but people who live in the yes live in the possibility of adventure and mm-hmm. I think that's so you know it's it's like lying to the witch in the wardrobe where the kid comes in and they're like, we got a great world behind this wardrobe. You just have to go in it and it's talking animals and it's a magical world and is greeted by no. It's like, no, 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 but there's, there's magic in there. It's like, no, nah, I'm okay. And it's because, and sometimes we don't even know why we're saying no. It's just like, I just don't wanna do it. And, and those are times to reevaluate and say, what if you change that? Change that attitude and say, how can this work? Let me try that. Do something, here's some, something you could do right now. Listen to a different music station. Take a different route to work. Now, for some of us, because we're working at home, it's like, okay, go through the kitchen to back to your bedroom maybe, but do something that changes up your routine a little bit. Whatever that is, just do something new. Open yourself up to possibilities rather than how it's not gonna work. Like we all know those people who are the wet blankets who go, "Eh, it's not going to work, or say, yeah, but, which sometimes is worse, is just like a no. If you say, yeah, but, it's sometimes, it's Mm -hmm. it's, my friend from Toronto says it's a Canadian no, it's very polite, but it's still the no. So instead of that, take a moment to say, like, how can this work? Let me say yes to this. Let me say yes to this thing that I don't even know I'm going to say no to. We all have been in those situations where it's like I just said no I don't even know I said no well it's because you're you're trying your brain's trying to protect itself and your brain your soul wants to say yes your soul's like that sounds great let's let's sing in a department store I love it yep let's belt it out but your brain goes oh no 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 so you're at a constant battle between your brain and your soul and how do how do reconcile those two things and that's something that for years you know philosophers have been trying to get to is like how do we do that and I think a lot of times it's stay present, live in a place of gratitude. And those, the more I hear a lot of things that are being said, and also in the corporate world, be here now is a big phrase. It's like, well, that's improv moment to moment. And so a lot of the phrasing we're hearing are starting to seep into also the corporate world, which to me is great because it does change people's lives for sure.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for me, like that, that just that one little piece there, I think, you know, had a, had a big impact on my life, and I think also to like relate it to uh, the sort of design world and and the sort of space that I'm in. Um, I think you're talking about this, you know, this kind of wet blanket that always says no, and I feel like like we all have that in our own heads. Like there's always that voice that wants to say no, and I think it's it's a big part of it. like I guess any creative process is. That kind of struggle <laughs> between the the yes and the no, like the heart and the the head that wants to sort of shoot things down. And it's like, and so we have this imposter. playful
0: you're, you're an imposter too. That's what we're always thinking, too, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. So, yeah. so there's, there's always a reason why you shouldn't do it. There's always going the, your head is always gonna have a, a reason why that's not gonna work or whatever. But when you think about, I think any sort of creative decision that you make, and and if you maybe look back at all of the things that you've you've done that you're proud of, things you've, you know, your best work uh, or just the most fun you've had and think about like what was led up to it. Was it like, was it your head sort of analyzing it beforehand and shutting it down? Or was it maybe you just sort of caught up in the moment? And I think that's something that's really like, uh, I guess a, a lot of us um, uh, people in the design industry and, and the motion design industry and, and stuff that I'm in, like we, we, we love this thing of flow which is, I, I mean, it's yes. the same. It's the same, plays applies everywhere, yes. right? But it's exactly. like that moment where you kind of like, you're not really thinking anymore or you're not thinking in a sort of traditional logical way. You're just kind of consumed by the work or the work, you kind of uh, almost you know become one with it in a, in a, yes. in a weird kind of way. And, and at that point, there is no like, no, no, no. There's no like naysayer anymore. No. It's kind of just vanished, right? And you're just acting purely from what's coming through. So that, that yes and thing for me is really helpful. Like whenever I'm sort of starting out a project or, I mean, there's so many applications to it, but you know, if, if I'm like trying to come up with ideas and I'll maybe I'll notice there's like, there's a lot of criticism there and and it just, I just tune it out. I'm just like, I'm just going to say yes to everything. Right. I can always filter it out afterwards, but right now I'm in my creative mode. So I'm just going to like say yes to absolutely everything that comes up, even if it's really stupid and then afterwards yeah. I can come back and maybe be a little bit more critical and say, okay, I'm going to choose this one and, and this thing works. And this works better than that. Well, you, but-
0: you you can't create and judge in the same space. And there is a time, you know, this is a convergent, divergent thinking, right? So there's a time where you go, now's the time to hone in on whatever that idea is. But as you're honing in, you still can, yes. And that singular, whatever that idea is. And I love that you slipped in the word weird, When you're describing this process, it's like, yeah, and it's it's a good thing. It is this because your brain can't rationalize the understanding of that flow state. Your brain, like your brain, hates improvising because there's no plan, and your brain goes, "I need a plan right here." And that's what happens too much in our culture is, well, we did this according to plan. It's like, well, sure you did, but you were not hearing what's happening, you were not accepting what's going on, and people think acceptance is negative or weak and it's not it means you're better judged and equipped to make decisions so it's like i'm accepting the state i'm in right now and sometimes that acceptance is i'm accepting that i'm in a state where i'm i don't feel really creative that's okay everything's going to change and that's that's what happens is everything changes as you go and we're trying to get we're constantly trying to get in that flow state which is it's the same with sports right it's like you start to learn basketball you go okay it's a ball i have to dribble uh, i can't walk with it i you start doing all these thinkings and a lot of the thoughts are don't don't stop dribbling don't move that so it's you're yeah. putting this negative connotation which it makes your brain happy because your brain's like i didn't do that but you're stopping the possibilities from happening. And then eventually when you do it, you do enough of this, you stop thinking. And you're always as somebody who's creative, which we all are, everybody is creative in something. But specifically for those who are creative as their their profession, we are battling that idea of it's not good enough, it's wrong, I can't do it. You know, I do a show for a 1000 people, 999 can tell me, that blew my mind. I can die now. I saw my my creator through your art. Thank you so much. I've n- I'm never going to see anything better. One person, one person can come up and go, meh. My brain goes, they know. That, that person knows. Because we're always thinking we're not doing it good enough. And we look, your brain goes, see, they know. And it's like, no, the proof is that person's not true. And sometimes what I do isn't their taste and that's okay. But it took me so long because I wanted to please everybody to go, hey, my thing isn't for everyone, that's cool. But if I surround myself with people who are supportive and who go, I show something to them and they go, hey, that's great. And they are genuine about it and they are authentic about it, then more is able to happen because you have people on board. And if you if you're on a team you got four people, if you your four brains are together, I mean that brain power is so much stronger and all you have to do like an an improv scene is if you have two people in an improv scene, you're just 50% responsible. So you just share the load. You don't have to have the whole thing. And, and you talked earlier about like show-offs and that to me is the worst person to come in an improv class is someone who's showing off. I'm like, okay, I got to make sure that that person still gets what they need and let them know we don't need to show off right now. So I think you're in that constant state of, of also being open to possibilities of happening. And sometimes we get to a point in our lives where we stop, In my field, people stop like learning they kind of feel like they've reached a point where they, they don't need to learn anymore. And that's a dangerous place. I think you always need to be learning and adapting. And you know, being in your uh, industry, things are rapidly changing. So you have to be in that constant state of, I'm open, I'm open, I'm open. Uh, what can I take from this? What can I learn? How can I move forward? And yes, and your ideas too. Like, um, you know, somebody, I was talking to a friend of mine today who was auditioning for a job and they were very nervous. And I go, you know, and this is something I, I learned years ago. It's like, well, somebody has to get the job. Why not you? Why not you get it? So we don't look at it that way. We look at all the negatives. We look at all of that stuff. So it's okay to like, acknowledge it. Uh, I was listening to this podcast by a comedian named Bill Hader. And he does, he was on a sketch show in the United States that was on TV. And he says, he's got an anxiety monster that pops up on his shoulder. And how he deals with it is he doesn't try to fight it. He goes, oh, I expected you to be there. I'm still doing it, but he accepts that it's there now. Because what? how can you possibly be like, I'm gonna fight this anxiety. The anxiety is gonna win if you try to fight it. So if you could just accept it and go, hey, I knew you'd show up. I knew you'd right before a presentation, right before any anything you go, oh, there you are. I expected you to show up. I'm still doing it. Come along with me, but you don't try to fight it. You just try to, you, you accept the reality of what it is. You're able to move forward and be stronger as you go and and you're always going to survive it's never as bad as we make it out to be in our brains and our brain is we're very smart so we can have these the, because again survival your brain's like what if this what your brain's always about just surviving and it's like you're going to survive it. it it sometimes doesn't end up the way you want it to and that's where improv comes in handy is it gives you those tools to deal with uncertain situations and instead of going oh oh no, it's this presentation. I'm very nervous. Improv for me teaches you to go, oh, I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait to get in that room. Who's going to be there? Oh, are we going to go according to plan? Probably not, but I've got the skills. I've I've learned enough. I know what I'm going into. I'm competent at what I do. I'm good at what I do. It's going to be fine. I'm going to be able to, and improv helps you like read the room and listen to the room. And I think those are skills that should be taught from an early age like at 5 years old you should be able to to teach how to deal in those situations and how to be okay with being uncomfortable how to be okay in a situation where you have no control over what's happening how to take a breath and go everything's going to be fine it might not turn out the way that my plan was but I'm still going to be fine
1: so true i think this yeah there's so many pieces there i mean one, one thing that comes to mind is is just i guess with you know with all kinds of creative work um, this is at least I can speak from my own experience and say that it's very easy for me to get like extremely uh, like, involved in my work to the point yes. where, you know, it feels like it's everything, you know, like if this succeeds or it fails, then that means, you know, if this project fails, then it means I'm a failure and all that kind of stuff.
0: And that's and- the problem. That's the problem is because you fail, you're not a failure. But that's that's exactly what we think is mm-hmm. that failed. Therefore, I'm a failure. It's like, no.
1: And the, and the other part is, is like failure itself is, is really, I mean, it's super important, right? It's essentially it's, it's, it's the way that we learn, like we wouldn't actually develop in any way, shape or form if we hadn't failed, like from, from the very beginnings of like learning to walk and talk, you know, like babies are failing, like constantly, yes. you know, with a, with a hit rate of about, you know, like 0.001%, right. But that yes. because they're not, because they're not really activating that, like, you know, that sort of nay, naysayer in their head they just get up and keep going and keep going and then before you know it they're like running around and
0: and like making sentences and all of that stuff and and you know what happened you know why they keep getting up and going It's because they have people around them going oh good try good try you did it you did that half step like they don't have people going you didn't hit the end goal they have people going hey great and then they keep building on it and they're greeted by positive reinforcement and uh, you know some people might listen to this and go Oh, no, that's a load of malarkey or whatever. And it's like, cool. Um, you know, all we're saying is like, give it a try. And you could always go back to the way things are going. That's the other thing is like, okay, if, it, if it's, if things aren't going well and you feel stuck, right, give it a try. And, and if not cool, that old style is still waiting for you. But if you're greeted with failure and applause, it gives you more confidence. And also look at it, not only are you learning, that might inspire somebody else or somebody else might have to learn as well because of that failure. At, at dinner once a week, my family and I go around and say, what's something you failed at this week? And we clap no matter what it is. We applaud that failure to get in the habit of like, that's okay. That's how you learn. That's how everybody learns. It leads to something else. And and I think it it's, it's something that I learned early on with improv, which is dare to fail, and fail spectacularly, and fail with a smile on your face, and realize this is just a very small part of your life, this one thing that we place such an importance on.
1: Absolutely. It, re- it reminds me of, um, at the beginning of uh, the, the short form improv workshop that, that you took, that I did with you, and, and there's a there's a part that really, like, it's kind of burned into my brain, is at the, at the beginning, I think it was right at the beginning of the weekend, and and for, for people for those of you that have never tried an improv class before uh usually start out with a lot of warm-ups right like just sort of get which is basically just playing games right just to kind of get people a bit more loose and, and comfortable with what like getting into the more sort of uh, specific exactly yeah so you're just sort of playing games and and i can't remember what game it was but i just remember that the at some point somebody messes up that's the whole point of the game is at some point it gets too fast and someone someone makes a mistake and they're out and and the instruction was as soon as somebody like makes a mistake or goes out everybody else in the whole ring has to run up and give them a high five yeah it's like this weird kind of short circuit happening in my brain because it was like my immediate instinct when I when I failed you know when I made a mistake was to like kind of tense up and just be like yes, you know like that just like without even thinking it was so instinctive and then there yeah. was this moment of like hang on like I'm getting all this positive energy from everybody, you know, people are running up and cheering and high-fiving. And it was like this sort of, you know, like a sort of pattern disrupt, like interrupt in my brain that kind of like short, short circuited it. And um, exercises like that are so, so powerful, so useful, I think. It's, and it's like, I guess it's something you have to practice, right? It's like, because it's all very well saying, like, oh, you have to say yes to everything and you have to like treat failure as, as like the best thing that's ever happened. And it's, it's not always sometimes, I mean, for, I, I guess for everybody, even, even for someone like you who's kind of practiced that for your whole life, there's going to be moments where failure sucks, but at oh. a point, but there's always a way yeah. to sort of, but you, the more you practice, I think the more you exercise, the more you start to look for that positive side of failure, then it starts to become easier and a, and a little bit more instinctive. And,
0: you, and I think that's... You, you, you're changing a mindset and you're changing a mindset that is for some people decades in the making and hardening of so it's like to have that moment to go not only are you getting high fives from people but also sometimes we say take a failure bow like own it be like yep i totally messed that up and it's amazing how disarming that can be and you're rewiring your brain with these tools and you're saying hang on a second what happened well here's the proof not what i'm thinking here's the proof i failed. 14 people gave me a high five. That's the proof. I, it wasn't, I failed. 14 people are leaving here thinking I'm an idiot. And that's not it at all. And and first you, you have to start retraining the culture of different um, companies, because if people at the top took that attitude, it's different than when you have that attitude. And then you go and people at the top still have that same attitude as before, looking at failure as a negative thing. And, and this is a muscle. It's like learning to play piano or learning anything, you have to constantly be working that muscle until it becomes habit. And I've taught a lot of workshops for businesses that we leave, and it's the highest rated class they've had, can't wait to institute it, X, Y, and Z, and then either leadership isn't there to experience it or they have a, it's a one and done. So you're like, okay, it's imagine going to to take a, 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 going to the gym and you have a personal trainer and you're like, that's the best work I'd ever have. And then it's like, I'm never going to have a personal trainer again. It's like, well, it's going to atrophy if you don't continue to work those muscles as you go. And, and what improv allows you to do is work those muscles in a space of playing, which is how you, the best way to learn is through play. And if you can involve laughter in play, it breaks things down you look around and you go, yes, you're you're a, a unique person, but you're in a room full of people that are very similar to you that you probably would not have chosen to hang out with the people in this room outside of the fact that for a lot of people, I, I'm in an improv class that I'm coming to because I paid for it. That's another great incentive is like, uh, I better go to that class because I already put money down for it. But you start realizing, oh, all of these things I've been telling myself, all of this narrative I've been Broadcasting my brain for a long time, you know all this negative feedback and all that stuff. I have to just start retraining it. And for some people, it's also I have to look at who I'm hanging out with. Who's part of my tribe? Are they people that are raising me up? Are they people that are very genuine in in what uh, you know in what they appreciate about me, or are they people where it's this constant? It's like a competition, and I I know. Uh, I, I was on a Zoom call with with friends of friends and there were these two brothers who were going at it back and forth. It was like a competition of one-upmanship of being mean to each other and it got very tiring. And like, sure people were giggling and laughing but I think a lot of times that's out of being uncomfortable, not out of like, that's super funny. So getting into an improv class. And now with the way things have gone, you can take classes virtually from a lot of people all over the world. So it's a great chance to connect and make the world even smaller than it was before. And it's like, Oh, I'm in a class with somebody from Hong Kong and I'm in a class with somebody from Bangalore and somebody from Copenhagen and somebody from New York city. And you all come together and it, teaches you how, to me, it's like, how do I become a better human? Not just like, how do I get better at my work, but like, how do I improve and evolve and become a better human being? And 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 I'm very excited about where we are as far as improv, based on the idea of opening up your computer, logging on and finding someone anywhere in the world right now, which we could have done before, but there was no incentive. And now we can do it.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I, I think once you're actually in that environment, like, so, cause I mean, I think for a lot of people, it may be the first time or the first time since they were a kid that they were in this environment where suddenly, you know, hang on, i made a mistake and everyone's being really nice to me or, you know, everyone's being super positive and it takes a little while to get used to it. But, and I think another thing that it does is it also makes you a, more aware of, of like how, how things work outside, you know, in, in, in general life, like what kind of, energy of people giving off and what what your the sort of relationships that you have with people and and um i mean i think it's all it's pretty common for people to have you know just cultures in you know in 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 working environments or wherever where it's kind of competitive and sometimes that can be you know positive in certain ways but it can also Mm -hmm. be a little bit negative as well in terms of like creating unnecessary stress and Sort of making people maybe close up instead of really expressing themselves, and and like I think for me, what I've also discovered is is just having. There's always going to be environments like that in life where yeah. maybe you feel people are being a bit negative or whatever. But oftentimes, rather than sort of being like, okay, though, that person's out of my life, or you know, I'm just going to avoid that person. Sometimes that's good, but also just by ma- taking that attitude like by I've noticed that if I take that attitude myself of being more accepting of other people, it's made me realize how much sometimes I give off negativity without thinking about it. And then other people react, you know, react to that negativity by yeah. being negative again. And it's like, so oftentimes I think when we think somebody else or oh, that person's really, you know, they're really negative and they're really like, uh, you know, just, just closed, closed-minded or whatever. But if you actually give them a chance and you actually, sometimes it's maybe that's just a reflection of you and if you come to them and, and practice that openness and just being like really genuinely being curious maybe that's the first time for that, that person's had someone actually for for like weeks or days or years has actually asked them genuinely about you know something that they're interested in or genuinely giving them some some praise not just like you know, just to be polite, but to act like a genuine thing of like, you know, I, I really, I just really like your, your sense of humor or something like that. Just those little things, like the, the act of noticing it, I Mm. think is really beneficial. Like it's beneficial for me. And then, and, and then I notice also that it changes the environment too. Like it changed, I find that just naturally I'm less involved in like kind of nasty, icky kind of negative situations.
0: Totally. And and the the word genuine you said is so key. People can spot when you're not being genuine. So genuine is key. Replacing judgment with curiosity is another thing I've learned too. And you mentioned that too. It's like being really curious about that other person, I think is is real huge. And I think a lot of people get nervous about like going to social functions where it's like, oh, I'm going to have to do small talk. Right. And you're very nervous about that. Here's a very simple tip. Just ask them about themselves just say, and be curious into what they're saying. You won't ever have a problem as far as having that uh, conversation there. So you have to have that element of, I'm genuinely curious. And I think the best in my line of work, the best improvisers and even actors, but especially improvisers, they're just curious in human nature. And so when you have that curiosity, then you replace that judgment it leads to so much um, bigger things, and it's fun. You put distance behind you. You look at uh, you look at those moments of failure in your profession. You can laugh at them with distance, but in the moment, it, it seems like it's such a it's such a big deal. And and when you're you know going back to when you're a kid, when you're a child, you don't understand the concept of time. I've got a seven year old and five year old, and I cannot threaten them with punishment later because. They're like great because they don't understand what they don't understand what an hour is, right? I mean they understand time, but they don't get I can't be like in an hour I'm gonna take TV away from you because they're like okay, because they're they don't care about an hour from now, everything is in this moment right now, and so improv helps you get back to that childlike state of I can't worry, and you've played those games, Tom, where it's like, I can't, in Zip Zap Zop, which is a game where you're standing in a circle and you're just passing energy around. Somebody says zip to somebody who then says zap and then zap. You can't get ahead because you can't predict it. So once you get ahead, you're lost, you've completely missed the game, and then you're going to make a mistake. So you just have to be in the moment going, okay, I'm going to be ready for this. And I'm going to be competent and capable to play this. And if not, I get a high five. I mean, it's a win win.
1: Yeah, so that's so true. One of the cool things about improv is it kind of intensifies that process of, of presence and the, and the thing of, of trying to be because on the one hand, you're trying to be, you know, entertaining and funny. And that, and the mind thinks that, that, you know, that's something I have to figure out. But in reality, the only way that you can really be funny or, or interesting is just by being yourself and not thinking about it. Right. Just letting it emerge. But there's, there is like an element of fear, I think, and, and the, that fear can also be from my experience of like, uh going on stage as well and doing that you know being like you know the heart is racing and it's just like you know part of me just really doesn't want to do it but i'm doing it partly because i have the support of the people around me and stuff like that and then when you go on stage it's like the fear kind of adds an extra element in a way it's like what if you can stay present and there's still fear there but it's almost like it gives you this extra energy where it becomes even more fun than it would be like if you're doing it in private it's it's like even more somehow somehow the the imagination is even more like charged by it like can you talk a little bit about like fear and how that sort of plays into the process
0: oh uh, my my favorite phrase i think uh, even even maybe even more than yes and in improv is follow the fear follow the fear and Uh, All you have to do a lot of times in life is just be a little bit brave, just a little bit right there. And whenever you're feeling scared, uh, just take the first step towards that thing. And if you go towards it a lot of times and then go through whatever that fear is, you come out the other side feeling stronger. And I think fear and excitement, I think they travel the same path. You know, I think it's the same energy, just channeled different ways. And so what I loved about improv is I was an athlete when I was younger and it was a team sport. Improv is like a team activity, a team art group creation. And I love that because it's like, I'm not by myself. I could never do, I did stand up once and it would terrify me because I was by myself. And I'm like, I'm not a person who wants to be by myself. I want to be with other people. And so the fear was lessened when I could turn to somebody next to me. And it's like, we're in the same thing together. And then the fear was lessened even more when they would make a quote mistake on stage. And I go, how can I make that a positive thing? You know, it's the the jazz philosophy of play the wrong note again. And then it becomes part of the pattern or or play. It's not the note. It's not the wrong note. It's the response. And I was like, Oh, I understand all of those. So then that fear became less and less. But I'll be honest, I've been performing almost 30 years. I still get nervous. There's still a part of my brain that goes, this is the time they find out you're a fraud. This is the time that everyone complains. This is the time that nobody laughs. And it's like, well, wait a minute. What's the proof? The proof is it's never happened. And the proof is when I've been in shows where there've been moments of I say something and it's a silent audience, I enjoy those moments. Like I find fun because I'm like, okay, I'm not connecting with the audience, but the show does well. It's just, there are just little moments and the same in life. It's like, everything's going to change. And it teaches you like this moment, don't hold on to precious and let go of those things that don't serve you as you continue to move forward. So the fear is something that just blocks us from doing a lot of things. And it's a comfort. So we are afraid so we don't do something so we feel comfortable. We say, we're afraid so we say no so we feel comfortable right there. And you could start to examine why you're doing it. You know, I, I don't want to look like a fool. I, I don't think I'm ready, all of that stuff. But if, if, for those of you who are parents or thinking of becoming parents, you're never ready to be a parent. You're never like, I'm, I've never met anyone who's like, I'm fully ready to become a, a parent. I have all the money and sleep I'll ever need. But you just, you do it and you do it moment to moment. And so taking those moments and taking a breath, don't forget to take a breath at times. A lot of times we get anxious and we, we forget to breathe and breathing's a huge part of what this is. And, and in order to like stay present, there's this method. I don't know if you know the method, it's like the five, four, three, two, one method, which will help with like staying, you know, bringing you back to the moment and staying present. It's like, what are five things you can see? You look around at just where you are right now. Oh, I see a phone, I see the wall. I see the floor. You name five things. Then you go, what are four things you can feel? And you go, oh, I can feel, you know, this pencil, I can feel this, this cup, I can feel my legs. What are three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and what's one thing you can taste right now? And that brings you back to a moment of present because you got to disrupt the, the noise in your head. You know, it's like when a dog red lines when they're very energetic, it's like you have to redirect it. And that's the same thing you're doing with your brain, it's like redirect it. Take a moment to face that fear and go, okay, what am I afraid of? And sometimes what helps is say it out loud. I'm afraid of this. Like just say it out loud, write it down. Again, accept I'm afraid of that. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense or it's illogical. It doesn't matter to me that I've done literally thousands of shows. It doesn't matter that I'm scared to do this show right now. That doesn't, like it doesn't matter. You know, I wanna counter that. I don't want to accept it. I wanna be like, you shouldn't be afraid. It's like, well, I am. I have to accept the fact that I'm afraid right now. What are some things that help with that movement helps with it, whether it's standing up or moving or just inching towards it, going it slowly bit by bit bit to it. Sometimes we're afraid because it's overwhelming. So it's like, take a breath, start at the beginning, just go piece by piece. Don't look at it as an overall thing. Just be like, what's the next thing you have to do? What's that next little thing. And that follow the fear it will set you free is such a, a key to my philosophy for improv is say yes and, um, look to make other people look better than yourself. Uh, and then that way we all look good and then follow the fear because it sets you free. And, and we, don't, we don't want to admit we're afraid. And sometimes it's like, no, just admit you're afraid and then just keep going towards it. And that, you know, the, I, I remember taking a job years ago where I had to hand out samples at supermarkets. And I was like, I'm taking this job because I got to learn how to hear no. because in what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to be faced with a lot of rejections of people saying we don't need that training or that show. So I put myself in a situation I was afraid of, which is like, I have to talk to strangers to get them to have this. And what ended up happening is not only did I was I able to learn to accept no, I actually became really good at what I did. Like, it was very funny because I didn't care. I'm like, I'm only in this, I want to work on this skill. And that allowed me to succeed in that position, but also understand that no is not, a, it's not a personal word against me. And that's another thing is no comes with emotion. So when you say no to somebody, it invokes an emotion, which invokes a reaction right there. So if you could take a breath before you respond, so you were fighting instead of reacting, take a moment and then respond to it. It'll help. So like follow the fear. Do, you know, I tell my students do one thing a week that scares you and like safety first, like don't run into traffic and be like, I'm going to dodge traffic. Like I'm in a frog or video game. No, but do one thing that scares you, which might be like, I'm going to send that email right now. And I've had people in class who said, uh, I called off a wedding. I quit a job. I just accepted. And they said it was because I needed the push. And I've never had a student say to me, I followed that advice and it just, my life is hopeless. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible advice. It's like, no, they followed that fear and it ended up being something really positive for them. So fear holds us back a lot. We can acknowledge it, but then just go through it, go towards it, follow that fear.
1: Yeah, totally. And, and like, like what you said about, like you can apply that at any level, right? It doesn't have to be something yeah. massive, like, you know, like jumping out of a plane. It could just be like, sending that email out and i'm just kind of thinking about maybe some of the people that might be listening who i know a lot of uh young designers and motion designers and stuff like that who it's i mean even for me actually it's sometimes it's difficult to just reach out to potential clients and stuff like that you know because you fear you're afraid of like oh well who am i to like send this message you know they'll think i'm like you know kind of just sleezing onto them or whatever and it's never the case. It's like, no, one, no, an email does no harm anyway, but it's just like, you know, getting into the practice of yes. like sending email, even if it feels a little bit uncomfortable and there's probably some reason, your brain will have some really great reason why you shouldn't send it.
0: Totally. But, but like a beautiful reason, a beautiful <laughs> reason. It's great, but it's, you know, my friend Dave uh, Rozowski says, what you think of me is none of my damn business. And I think that it's like, if somebody's not gonna like you, they probably already have ammunition for that. It's not like this thing is gonna have them not like you more, but if you're genuine in reaching out and be like, hey, sometimes people are going to send these responses back, you're gonna be fine, but it might be, don't reach out to me ever again. Okay, that's fine. That Like that's their right to, you can't control what they do. But I think more often than not, we never get that response that we're like, oh, like it might happen once, but we think it's always gonna happen.
1: Mm. And even if you do get those responses you know like you say handing out the flyers and stuff it maybe that's a good thing too because it's you're learning to sort of to deal with it like because yeah. that's a, a, as a fact of life people are going to say no to you at some point you're gonna have disappointments and all of that <laughs> so why not practice in, a, in an arena where it doesn't really have any consequences you know like somebody tells you like don't send me another email that's it that's the end of the story there's no everybody's yeah. still fine so so like you're not gonna there's knock opportunities everywhere.
0: They're Not gonna knock on your door and be like, hey, you sent me that email. Uh come out and let's fight. Exactly. <laughs> They're not gonna do that, but it it's teaching you there are like to not hold every moment precious, right? To not be like, this is make or break. It's like, nope, this is one. And and how many stories have we all heard where it's like, ah, I threw the I, I sent an email on a whim or I sent this and I got the response, and now I got this thing. Like, there were so many stories of that where it's like, oh, I did this. I didn't think anything of it and something positive came of it. So keep that in mind as you're continuing to move forward is, and sometimes it's the right place at the right time, right? You send an email and they're like, I was just thinking about this. And sometimes they go, I don't normally respond to these, but the way you said it or worded it, uh, I'm very curious about this. So if you're genuine in your correspondence, I think that's another big part of it. And sometimes it's like, I said this thing in an email that was about me that I thought was weird, but that was the thing that they connected with. That, that showed them a little bit about myself or a little of my personality. Like that was the thing because when you get into those situations, like like for me when I auditioned to be to get a job as an actor, if I auditioned in a different way than I'm I'm used to or I'm comfortable doing, and they get they hire me for the job, now I got to do it that way, which I'm like, how did I do it? But if I do it the way I think, uh, I had a friend who auditioned for a TV show in the states, and I was like, how'd it go? And he goes, I gave them me, and if that's what they want. I got the job and he got the job. And it's like, I gave, I told you who I was and and that led to this job. So keep that in mind as you go, like these little, um, you know, they're little setbacks. And if you let every little setback be this, because you can think it into a bigger deal than it is. And sometimes it's like, what's the human need? Like, why did they say no? Maybe they don't have a budget for it right now. Maybe now is not the right time. I mean, and don't forget, we're, we're right now as we're recording this, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. So there's a lot of anxiety and stress worldwide. So a lot of times we take things very personally that we, we don't need to take personally. And if you change that that thought to be like, oh, why they told me why they said no. They said no because now is not the right time. They didn't say no because they think I'm an idiot. So let me just look at that. And, and if they do think I'm an idiot, again, what they think of me, none of, none of my business. It's time for me to continue to move on rather than dwell in the past and then go, uh, oh, I'm gonna let that thought um, uh, control me. And it's like, oh, I knew it. And it goes back to the imposter syndrome, right? It's like, mm-hmm. see, they know. And it's like, no, they don't know. They just, that's their opinion. Like that's the, nobody has the book on how to do life. That's just, people just have different um, needs and thoughts at that moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's great advice. So I think uh, we're going to start, we can start wrapping it up now, but uh, just like before no! we go, <laughs> oh, I do want to, I do want to like, just kind of ask you one more question, at least which is like around, we were just talking earlier before we started recording about weirdness and creativity, you know, and the, this, the weird, the a weirdo idea. And, and I, I, I would just love to hear how you would describe creativity, like in terms of like, what it what does it mean to you?
0: Oh, man. I mean, it's my life. I mean, it's, you know, I think for for a while you as a child, you can be very creative. And then sometimes that can get stimulated and you can have people encourage you. And I definitely had parents who said, whatever you want to do, as long as you're happy. My dad said, I don't care if you dig a ditch. (laughs) He goes, just be as do it as well as you can and be happy. And so I was very fortunate to be in a situation where I could go into something as being, you know, Something that's creative uh, in my field, but also I think it's not just professionally, but in my life. I think creativity is something that, you know, it it allows us to bloom as human beings. It allows us to grow, and it's it's something that we definitely need to encourage. And, you know, people ask me when, when they start taking improv classes about like the, you know, each each level, each improv class is usually like I don't know six to eight weeks, and then you could take several of them and. You get people who have gone through a couple of these and then they go, okay, well, can you give me notes? And I'm like, notes on your imagination and your creativity? It's like saying to somebody, hey, Tom, great work, but paint better. It's like, well, I mean, there's no, it's very subjective. So being creative is something that it can be for artists. You know, we have the one extreme where we're like, "Oh, it's a it's an artist who's very bohemian, and they live in a, in an apartment." We're like, "Oh, look that that's a that's a seat, but it's actually like a suitcase on top of an ashtray." Like, it's very creative. It can be one end, but it can also be the person who's who just writes in their journal. And, and doesn't ever share it with anybody. So creativity has many different levels as we go, but creativity also helps with things like problem solving. It helps with life skills. So I think creativity permeates our society and the more creative we can be, the more creative, not just we can be, but the more of that foundation we can lay out for others to be creative. I think the more magic happens. And there's a, there's a book actually called, I think it's called Big Magic by an author named Elizabeth Gilbert who yeah. wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And it's great because she talks, you know, I've seen her on TED Talks and she's like, yeah, I know Eat, Pray, Love is like, I'll never be better. Like that's that's the highlight. I'm never going to have anything like more well-received than that. But in, in that book, she talks about where ideas come from and how creativity happens. And, you know, she said, I didn't quit my job to be a starving artist. I still have my job when I was still um, being published, but she left her job when she felt the time was right. And, you know, she talks about these ideas that you have ideas and you see somebody else, it's like, oh, I had that idea. It's like, well, yeah, I think ideas land on us. And if we're ready to, to, to fulfill them, we do. If not, they kind of go to someone else who then embodies and fulfills that. So I think creativity is also all around us. And if we have more people who say yes and inspire and say, that's a good job, versus people who go, Oh, I don't like that. I think you will see more things happen. So I think everyone is creative in their own way. Even people go, I'm not creative. It's like, no, you're creative. You just are creative in a different way than what you imagine creative, like you think there's a, there's a qualification to being creative. It's like, well, I'm not this because, you know, uh, Terry's creative. She's in a band. It's like, well, sure. But that's her thing. She weirds out about. She weirds out about being in a band. You're probably creative. It's funny. You talk to people and they're like, I'm not creative. And then you find out what you're a dungeon master. You've done dungeons and dragons for 15 years. There's nothing more creative than that. So everybody's creative in their own way. Everybody likes to sing these little songs when nobody's around that they just make up and they're just silly. Like We've been doing this improv when we were a kid, we just didn't know it was called improv. We're like, oh, it's playing with our friends. So like everybody has different, like everyone's very creative. You just put a limit or you think I'm not creative because I don't do this thing. But it's like, no, we're, we're all creative and it's time to embrace that creativity and go, great, embrace it. Find yourself people who agree with that, who appreciate what you do, and you'll start to be even more creative. Sometimes your thoughts are just can be very creative. So keep that in mind is like, we want to say, oh, no, not me, because we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. But we are everyone is creative in their own way. 100%. And sometimes maybe that thing that you think is really
1: weird about yourself or something you think is like you hide from the world. Sometimes that's actually the thing that's like makes you super
0: creative, right? Yes. And that's the thing. It's like we, again, whether it's we're embarrassed, we we think we're going to be attacked for it in some way, emotionally attacked. That's weird. Look at this weirdo. Like we think that. But what's more powerful than some bully going, look at this weirdo. And that person goes, yeah, so what? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a weirdo. I'm a weirdo absolutely and then other people go me too. You know, I'm Spartacus. I'm people start standing up and it's That's like it. you find that you are in a place of weirdos and the people that don't want to admit it are just they're they have a human need and their need is they're struggling they're feeling embarrassed. They're feeling protective. They they want to be sarcastic because they want to protect themselves. They don't want to reveal it. And I've had so many people who come in improv class in that state of mind. Who once they leave, they're like, "Oh, I can open up. I can be vulnerable because there are people here who get me and who add to my creativity." So sometimes you're creative on your own, but sometimes it takes a group to help bring out that creativity. Awesome.
1: That's yeah, so good. Um, I think we should wrap it up there. But before we go, like, could you just tell? Uh, where can people find you are you running some some courses uh yeah what tell tell everybody where they can they can find out more about you
0: oh my goodness thanks for that um uh you can go to my website which is jsuko.com. s-u-k-o-w you can also check out my my um uh, professional services page i have a company called today improv um and we use improv, we go and do um, everywhere from like doing individual coaching sessions, one on one with people, whether it's like to, to help with their executive presence or to become better listeners or people who are like looking to fulfill their, their, they have goals and they need a coach for that. We, I do that. And also I, I go in and I teach like communication skills and, and skills on how to deal with this volatility that we're dealing with now. And that's today improv. Also Facebook. I love Facebook. So I'm on that a lot. And then I do. Uh, If you go to YouTube, I have a series of, I've been doing during the pandemic, a lot of these 10 minute scenes with like either people I know or people I don't know. And we improvise a a 10 minute scene together um, virtually. And I've got um, almost 250 of those right now. So I've been doing a lot and and early on it, it helped me stay busy. And now it's something that I feel like it's just super fun to do. So, so those are just a couple of places they can get a hold of me if they're ever in Santa Monica uh, in the the southern part of Los Angeles in the states. I'm 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 based out of there. So yeah,
1: awesome. So the, and they can just search for is it Jay Suco on on uh, YouTube and Facebook.
0: Yeah, if you search for yeah, search for my name, or if you put in today improv today in YouTube improv. or Facebook, any of those, or, or the website, that's another way to to, to you can get a hold of me there too. Okay, perfect, awesome. Well, oh, thanks so uh, much, Jay. This was uh, Thank you, Tom. <laughs> so good, so good. Really you're appreciate it. Such a weirdo. You're so, I know. Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs>
1: I, I probably wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you know what I learned, what I got from improv. I think you know it's like this. I've, it's podcasting is like it's kind of something I've I've always thought I'd be so you know ever since I started listening to podcasts like five six years ago I thought I'd be so cool, but then there was always that voice like you can't do it, you can't like be entertaining, you can't like you know oh, get interesting guests and and uh, and now I'm doing it
0: and um, dude it feels great. You're so I mean you're such a natural at it honestly.
1: Thanks, man. I'm, I'm definitely learning.
0: I'm learning the ropes, you know, like the whole interview thing
1: is like, it's, but it's very like, again, it's like improv. It's like, there's part of my brain that wants to like, think about the next question, you know, but then I know as soon as I start thinking, then I'm not present anymore. So it's like, no, no, no just come back and just like, just kind of listen. And But it's, yeah, it's good practice. It's um,
0: it's fun. Oh God, it, and there's no one way to do it, right? Like you look at podcasts and you go, oh, that person I'm sure they've been told many times they don't have a voice for for broadcasting and they don't care and you look at like other podcasts I mean it's just it's the fact of doing it right now is that's that's the biggest thing not not you know we get we get caught up in the end result it's like no you're doing it and and even if you never release these don't overestimate doing just yeah. the fact you did it is huge. Man. Yeah. That's so, great. I'm happy for you. This is so great. I can't wait to listen. I mean, the title alone is awesome. <laughs> I can't wait to listen.
1: Awesome. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you and um, take care. Um, Bye-bye. If that conversation has whetted your appetite to try out improv, as Jay mentioned, now is maybe the best time to try it because... You can jump on a zoom call with improv groups across the world and try it out. And there may even be an improv group near you. So you could just try Googling improv and your nearest town or city, as well as those places that Jay mentioned where you can find him. He also has his own podcast called the improv cast with Jay and Landon, which is also well worth checking out. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Creative Weirdo. If you'd like to stay informed about future episodes of the podcast and you'd like a little bit of weekly weirdness in your inbox, then you can go and sign up for my newsletter at tomcrate.com forward slash hello. And I'd love to hear from you too. Shoot me a message. What's your hidden superpower that maybe even you didn't know about? And how are you going to unleash it on the world? Oh,